Hey, podcast listeners, hope you're doing well, and I hope you are winning contracts. Before we get into today's episode, I want to take a minute to share something with you that's working for our clients. Our federal access knowledge base is helping companies win contracts every single day. I regularly get emails from members thanking us and saying things like, hey, I just won a $2 million contract. Many of you have seen a video that Chris Danback shot for us at GovCon. Chris won two contracts totaling $30 million. One of our members, Eyal, emailed me this morning and said, the turning point that opened my eyes was using federal access to establish a professional and systematic business development and RFP process. I've now won two contracts worth $480,000. Federal access is helping a lot of companies win. It can help you too. So here's the deal. I have a special offer for you. Visit federal-access.com forward slash game changers today and get started for just $29. You're going to get access to a digital copy of the government sales manual, over 70 strategy videos, more than 30 webinars, 300 documents and templates, and one of my favorite pieces is SME support. So when you run into any issue, any challenge at all, you can email me directly for help. So go check out the special offer today at federal-access.com forward slash game changers. The link is in the description below the podcast. So go check that out today, federal-access.com forward slash game changers. So you can get started for just $29 today. Now let's hop into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. Hey everybody, Mike Lejeune here, and we are back with another great episode of Game Changers for Government Contractors. And I want to hop in real quick and talk with Lisa here about all the automation in GovCon. So Lisa, why don't you take a moment, tell everybody a little bit about who you are, what you do, and then we'll hop in. Is it bad? I always forget about introducing myself. I hate introducing myself. I'm like, I don't, I'm, I'm Lisa Shaymont. Uh, I just am. No, I'm kidding. I am the co-founder of the Pulse of GovCon, which is a boutique market intelligence firm that specializes in government contracts, business development, and proposals. Um, so I've been in the industry for about a decade now, and I work with my business partner, Amber Hart. And we are out there just making sure that we have information that's open, honest, and you know, easily digestible, all about government contracting, just to make people more successful in the field. Yeah. And and I love the way the both of you approach the market with that, you know, little snarky attitude that you have and 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 how you approach like it just it speaks to me from my commercial market. And I'm glad to see because you just stand out in the market. And although you say you you've been in the 10 10 years around this market. You've been around the market like a good chunk of your life though, right? That's true. So I was uh, born into this world. I'm the only, I was the only 10 year old, I believe that would say, oh, proposals make daddy tired. Yeah. Like I knew, <laughs> I, I grew up in it. Government contracting is in my blood. Yeah, it's funny. So one of the first admin assistants I ever had was I was in Virginia and she was very young. This is one of her first jobs. And one of the things that got her the job was I was like, so tell me, you know, what you know about government. And she was one of those people that like, oh, yeah, my dad's been in government my, my whole life. And so she starts rattling off this stuff. And I'm like, I think you know more about this industry 
history than I do, you know, because yeah. and, and we, we I, t- I, she brought us to a uh, lunch with some of our board and the board was fascinated with how much she knew about this stuff just because of the fact that she was probably 19 years old and she knew like all the political scene and all that stuff. So I can imagine growing up in the industry, being birthed into it, like you're talking, you just get a different perspective of all this stuff. And I think that that's just as much experience as rolling up your sleeves and doing the work because you just know the nuances so well. And it, and it comes across in the way that both of you communicate. Again, I, I love the way the pulse communicates and, and the way just you, you do everything on LinkedIn and all that. It's just really awesome. So um, thank you very much. Yeah. So, so there's, there's my, uh, informal or is that formal i guess formal plug for what you're doing and so we'll, we'll, we'll i'll make sure everybody has links to your website and everything after this it'll be with the episode and they can go check that out because i do think it's it's very worth you know checking out today so today we're going to be talking a little bit about the increased use of automation tools and i i know just based on some of our discussions there, some of the, the good, the bad, the frustration and and what it's such an interesting world. You know, when I was talking with Josh a couple of years ago, I said, you know, one of the things, in my opinion, about all these bid matching tools, because that's you know, that is probably the the nasty word I'm probably not supposed to say on the radio. Right. But when you when you hear bid matching tools, I'm like, you know, there's thousands of companies and I'm like, why are there thousands of companies that do this? Oh, cause that's the easy part, you know, actually doing something with the data or being able to educate your market and all that. That's the thing that most companies don't do. They just think, Hey, you know, let's sell an automation tool. And the automation is what win con, you know, that wins contracts. And I know you don't take that same approach. And so what, what are your thoughts? And I'll let you just kind of kick us off on, you know, what are your thoughts about the increased use of all these automation tools in GovCon? Absolutely. So I'll just do a little, um, you know, right up front. It doesn't matter what industry that you're in. It, GovCon, what have you, you are, will in some way be affected by some form of RPA or robotic process automation. And th- there's good reason for this, right? This is seemingly fraught with good intentions. You want to free up your staff to focus on higher level fronts versus some of the more administrative tasks. And so I don't necessarily think that there's anything wrong with automation in GovCon, but it really depends on your motive. You as a government contractor, why do you want to use an automation tool? And what are you going to use it for? Because for me, in government contracting, especially what we see on LinkedIn and everything, these kind of tools like you've mentioned, I think in terms of the bid and proposal realm and in that process, because I'm really heavy in the proposal side and I've done proposal management, proposal writing, coordination, graphics, training, et cetera, et cetera, in proposals. And people want to use process automation in BNP the same way that they would in, say, billing. And there's nothing so different about these two industries. One's not better or more complicated or more simple than the other. The problem is in government contracting, despite all of the rules, the regulations, the all this stuff that we have, there is no standardization across the board. You can work with the same customer in this out of the same contracting shop and the services are different, but the solicitation is going to come out completely wonky from the one that you did a year ago. And I mean, talk about across different agencies, different customer base, different service areas, whether it's an RFQ or an RFP or an RTOP, whether you're doing sections one through whatever, or, you know, I through Z, you know, it really A through M. 
it just depends. And so we don't have this level of standardization in the bid and proposal realm that's going to get you the same data in the same format every single time. And so I guess my main problem is like what you had mentioned before, and that's against some of the sales rhetoric out there because people are being promised a solution instead of a tool. And GovCon, I don't want to alarm you, but there is not one tool on the market that will do everything for you. Mm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And and I, and I think you, you really just hit the nail on the head there with it's not the tools, it's the sales rhetoric. And, and that's where I see these companies really promoting a lot of their solutions as the end all be all. Like if you get this solution, this is going to what, you know, this is going to win contracts. And I'm glad you made that comparison too about billing, because I think when, when people hear the term automation or this is doing these things in the background, because that's how, that's how they kind of slip by the word automation. They say, this is stuff doing things in the background. It's gathering all this intelligence and pumping it in here. They think of like the billing comparison where I put my things on a credit card, you know, so like my gym membership that I'll never use, right? I put it on a credit card and it bills me forever without fail. It's one of the few things, right? Without fail. That'll happen until the credit card goes bad. I put in a new credit card and even then it alerts me. And then I put in the new credit card and it just continues to bill until that one goes bad. And I think they they make the comparison of that's what automation is. So if I have a tool that's going to automatically do all this stuff, and it imports in a, you know, an RFP and I hit the proposal button, then it's going to do it all. And it's going to give me the best strategy to win. And it's going to know how to communicate my past performance. And it's going to know, you know, all these things. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't do all that. You know? Right. It's the communication. So I actually have my master's in writing rhetoric and technical communication. So the idea, and I know I'm sure every person out there that has some sort of subject matter expertise in one thing or another, where certain elements of their job start becoming automated, we all get a little sensitive to that. Right. But I just, you're, the way that you communicate these things, these living, breathing documents, these organisms that we make as proposals, it's not so cut and dry as press the button. Right. You know, I, I know that some people like to use automation tools to develop an outline of a solicitation, which again, if things made sense in the way that solicitations were released, if they actually stuck to the tables that say volumes one through five are going to contain these components and under these components, you're going to have these nested sub components. And oh, by the way, there's no discrepancy between all of these instructions, then that would be hunky dory. But who amongst us listening hasn't had to ask a question in the Q&A period because there was some sort of discrepancy between the instructions. So, and I get by using these tools, you can use them as a jumping off point, but how much further are you going to get jumping off from something that you have to immediately go back to and check? No, that, that that's exactly right. And, and you know, I think people forget, and I know you talk about this a lot, is the human element. Like they forget the human element. I, I had somebody message me this morning. And they're like, I don't understand why Beta Sam says this proposal is due on the 12th, but inside the proposal, it says it's due on the 11th. I'm like, because a human did it. Because <laughs> a, a human did it. They're like, but I, it, they're just like freaking out and like they're totally speechless. Like, but I don't understand. I don't, like, you don't understand human. Like, no one understands humans. <laughs> right, exactly. No one understands us, you know. And so that human element is a big factor there that I think, you know, again, you talk about it a lot, that people just totally forget that, that people are people, right? 
Right. Absolutely. That changes. I mean, you think about especially betasam.gov and just some of the fields. So, you know, I can talk a little bit about something that the Pulse has built, which is essentially a scraping site of beta.sam.gov. And we're about to have other sources of data in there, too. I'm really excited about it. Nice. Um, I can get into that a little later. But, you know, one of the issues about scraping from Betasam is that it's not a cut and dry scrape because right, right. people input different information in different fields. And so I remember we were talking to our software developers and they will they were like, well, if it says agency here, why why is an agency there? And it's like because a person had to enter that information. Right. right. Wouldn't wouldn't it be nice if every time they bought, let's say for example, power strips or USB cords or whatever, like they actually use the same NAICS code. Wouldn't that be awesome? But like oh, you, you you can't count on them to do it because people are like, well, how should I search for this? I'm like, well, let me tell you, sit down, grab a pen. And there's about 15 ways we're going to search for this till we find out how they're using it. No, oh, by the way, from now until time, there's still going to be a human who comes in and says, you know what? I don't know if you saw this on LinkedIn. This was a while back. Anna Ehrman posted this. She was like, oh, don't you love it when the government buys tanks, but when they really do it, they're buying a piano or whatever. So like they, <laughs> they use the NAICS code for like a tank and they were buying pianos or, or it was vice versa, right? Like it was this weird thing. And I'm like, right. you gotta be, and I went to it and I'm like, sure enough. Right. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> you know, Love yeah. Anna. This is a hello to Anna. Um, yeah. No, that's too funny. And I also want to don't alarm people, but you know, some people don't realize that there's no PSC code for cyber. So yeah. everyone always talks about like cyber spending. Oh gosh, we'd get way into the weeds if we went, if we went there. That has yeah. nothing to do with automation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, that is a thing where like, you know, you're trying to automate something that is, you know, mostly done by humans and you know, trying to account for all the error and things that happen are just like you just can't like you can only do so much of that. And then somebody's still going to punch in the freaking tank nakes code. And like, how could I have accounted for that? Right. <laughs> there's, there's just no way. So in, in your opinion, you know, how can GovCon better use technology to because, again, you were talking about, uh, you know, the proposal process. How can we better use technology to streamline, if not automate the, the bid and proposal process? Absolutely. So. Technology, in my opinion, should augment your process. It shouldn't replace your process. And I think that by having too much tech, you can actually hinder the process. Hmm. Think about if you have so many tools, if you have so many pieces of software that you need to use, that you need to train up people and it would take you months to even explain how to hit this button to have this output. At that point, you've hindered the process. Um, because, you know, in my opinion, we also all use RPA tools to some extent. Mm -hmm. So we talked a little bit about betasam.gov and we talked a little bit about scraping sites, right? Anytime you use a scraping site, that's essentially what's happening. And I mentioned before that we actually developed our own scraper and, you know, I think it has its own um, merits than others that, you know, personally, it translates the data that it pulls into BD terms. So what I'm getting at is that the pulse is obviously not anti-tech. The problem comes with our over-reliance on it. And mm -hmm. what you mentioned before, Michael, is people said, will this tool win us a contract? Can you imagine putting that much pressure on a piece of software? Yeah, that's a lot. Because it, it's not going to, no, it's not going to win you the contract. And some people will reach out to us and look at our tool and our platform and say, will this win us contract? And absolutely, it will not win us contracts. You will win you contracts. This will help you streamline, aggregate, pull, disseminate information. You know, you can use the tech to streamline some elements of opportunity identification or proposals themselves. So an example that I have is uh, an acronym list. 
I remember the first time I was on a proposal ever. I was actually, fun fact, I was Amber's intern when I started. Oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> so we were working on this big proposal called LREC, and I had no idea what a proposal was. Not really, not in the way of getting into the nitty gritty. So she handed me the documentation and she said, build me an acronym list. And I said, fine, what does that mean? She says, go through, find the acronyms. When you see it, pull it and its definition into a table. I said, easy breezy, I can do yep. that. And I start looking through. And I'm like, well, what if it doesn't have a definition in here? What if it's not next to it? What if you haven't, you know, spelled it out in first instance and then have the parenthetical? And she said, well, then you have to figure it out. And I said, great. Um, some of these acronyms don't actually mean anything, by the way. <laughs> they're not they're not real. They are. They're real to us because we're living in it. I remember an example was Jido. I was like, what's a Jido? Not realizing it was a contract. It was an mm. acronym for a contract. So there's things like that that you're not necessarily going to get, especially 10 years ago by Googling right. to figure out what the name is. And so when I finally saw a piece of software that developed an acronym list automatically, I was in awe. I looked at that and I was like, I can't believe this. This is amazing. Look at this table. And then the person I was working with said, okay, now go check it. And I was like, check it? What do you yeah. mean check it? What do, you not, what do you mean I have to read through it? And they're like, well, now you have to read through it. Now you have to find it. Now you have to find the first instance within the proposal. You have to make sure that it's referencing the right thing and that the definitions are correct. Because lists are fallible like that. Right. And right. and and I was I was like, what do you mean? Now I feel like this has doubled my work versus if I had just gone through manually, I would have made connections in my brain saying this is what this means. This is what that means. Oh, I know that there's now two PMs. That's a great example in an acronym list. PM. What does it mean? It means program manager, right? Except for in the case when it means project manager. Right. Except for when it means portfolio manager. I except for if it means perfunctory Marlin. I don't, that's a PM, right? right? right, right. Um, well, you know, you still need to scan through for context right. because in some ways you're going to say, oh, this is very obviously a program manager. But if the context says that that PM actually stands for, you know, if, if the whole services idea is about like a hasty fish, that's what I had essentially said, right? Then obviously that definition is going to change point to point. So I get that people use it as a jumping off point, but again, how far are you jumping? Right. Yeah. And, and I think you're you're right. A lot of people jump all the way to this is going to win us contracts. And, you know, I really do think a lot of people that don't know what they're doing lean more heavily on the automation. You know, like let's lean on the technology. And it's like if you don't have a process, if you don't understand how this stuff works, all you're going to have now is a new tool that you don't understand and you're still not going to get any further, right? Like if you don't understand how to write a proposal or any of that kind of stuff, this isn't going to teach you that. It's, it's not going to teach you that. And you're going to have no way of knowing that it's wrong or whatever. It, you're just going to be like, hey, I'm hitting the button. It's like my gym membership. <laughs> exactly. I mean, if you don't know how to physically write, then a pencil isn't going to do anything for you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, I love that analogy. And I just I see that so much. And it's not to make fun of or, or, or mock the people that are in government. I just I see so many times where that the first instinct is, well, there's a tool that does this. Like, no, to your point, there's a tool that makes your life easier. Maybe. <laughs> right. <laughs> Unless, you know, except for the world, uh, you know, where, you know, you're, you're building that acronym list. Right. Um, there's a tool that should make your life easier if you're using it. Right. And, you know, for, for my world, even the way let's talk podcasts for a moment and people are always like, well, what software do you use? I like for which part? 
<laughs> exactly. You know, I, I use a tool for recording. I use a tool for editing. I use a tool for repackaging the edits, you know, and, and different stuff like that. Don't even get me started on video, right? So like there's, there's all these different pieces, but I've also learned that there's one tool that does editing like nothing else out there. There's one tool that does a recording like nothing else out there. And so having three of those tools working together with me helps me do this in 15% of the time that it used to take me because I've measured it and it's just, it's having the right tool because I was trying to force it through one tool and mm -hmm. it was like, this is not working. I can't figure out the freaking buttons, right? And it's it's just not set up user friendly sometimes. So that's why I was like, oh, this tool is great at this. And this one's great at that. And just kind of using the tools together to make my life easier. I mean, do you see that as part of this whole thing is figuring out what tool does what well, and then using multiple sets of them to just to make your life work? better i do and it's funny there's probably a nasty joke in here somewhere about category management and bundling but i digress <laughs> uh, you know some people may want to come back for that later because you know <laughs> the category management is one of those things that everybody can get on board with hating for the most part right you can talk to amber about that one she'd be thrilled oh, that'll um, be awesome Yes, absolutely. You're extremely right there. It's this idea of a full suite. We are all tempted by the magic tool, but there right. is no magic tool. Yeah. yeah, there's no magic beans. There's no magic tool. There's no magic. There's just no magic, right? <laughs> so, so you know, when we're, we're talking about this, I think it's important that we somewhat segue a little bit away from the tool, and we can still talk about the tool, but to also be able to talk about if you're clearly going after contracts using these tools and, and talking the proposal process, how can these companies, these government contractors actually increase their, if you want to call it literacy, efficiency, proficiency at, at this proposal process? Because that is ultimately their goal, right? They're trying to get better at creating a winning proposal. So how, how can we as small business government contractors get better at? Yes. Uh, proposal literacy, like I said, isn't gained by using tech. Because before I had mentioned by using shortcuts, you learn, you lose some of the idiosyncrasies of a living proposal effort. Now, I want to give a caveat too, because on the flip side, it's not gained in the process driven training either. You know, process is great, but who amongst us has actually performed 96 steps? Because I sure as hell haven't. I, who has the time? But you have internally developed some form of process, even if it isn't um, completely documented, even if you don't have the standard operating procedure there that everybody can look through. At some point when there is a person or a team involved, you develop some sort of process. So my advice is to spend less time, less money on magic tools and instead invest in a third party assessment of your proposal mm. in both the output and the process. So I want to see in the process what's worked. Um, I want you to look at your lessons learned. We all say we're going to have a postmortem, but how often does that actually fall by the wayside? Mm -hmm. You know, by the time you've either won or lost something and you want to do a lessons learned, you're probably on to the next thing, right? But by examining what's worked for you and what hasn't, you will gain a greater sense of proposal literacy. You'll understand your process. You'll understand what your deliverable looks like. And then efficiency will be a byproduct of true proposal literacy because once you understand the material at its core, you're just gonna naturally be able to do it better, faster, 
stronger. You're going to see, okay, this worked. You're going to say, look at this format. This is great. This is the way that uh, an agency has been able to evaluate us more highly. This is one of those tools and tactics that works. You know, maybe the traditional win theme approach doesn't work for us, but maybe including a value proposition is better. Maybe the idea of having a roadmap across the sections. So, you know, these are all technically tools that we use. They're in our tool belt. And so by doing this, you know, uh, third party assessment, you're able to see from a third party what works, what doesn't, because sometimes we all get too close to these things, right? Yeah, we're too close yeah. to our process. We're too close to our proposal. Um, and so you can obviously learn how using automation can help you get this data faster, but you still at the end of the day are going to need your team to interpret it. And so just what it comes down to is any tech that you use to do any of this stuff that I mentioned should help you speed up the learning curve and not bypass it. That is, that is a wonderful suggestion. In fact, I was on the call with a, a guy yesterday and he was, he came to me, he's like, Hey, I need you to help me find a BD guy, you know, which we don't do recruiting, but I know a lot of people. And, and so I was like, sure, I'll have that conversation with you. And we're going through and halfway through the conversation, I'm like, so you want to hire the BD guy? I'm like, but do you even know what the size of the market is? No. Well, and, and so I'm asking these questions and I was like, don't you think it would be a more important to bring in a consultant, whether it's us or somebody else, that can actually do a data deep dive and, and walk through what the opportunity is in your market. I mean, do you have a strategy? No. Don't you think it'd be important to build a strategy? Because he's thinking, well, let me just hire a BD guy. I'll get the BD guy on board. And then he's going to just make it rain. And then if that doesn't work six months later, then we'll sit down and figure out if there's even a market. I'm like, oh my gosh, like where, like where in the world does that sound like a sane strategy? And yet that's the strategy. The same thing with proposals where I, same guy, I was like, so how many proposals have you done? Well, I'll, I'll back up. I'll say, do you understand pricing? He's, oh yeah, we got that. It's no big deal. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, so tell me how many proposals have you done? He's like, I've done about 15 proposals. How many have you won? Two. Oof. Like, and, and, what's, and what was the challenge on those? We don't know. So you don't know. And I, and I said, so what if there's a pricing issue? Like, it can't be that. I'm like, how do you know? <laughs> what's what's the definition of insanity? Yeah, Doing exactly. the same thing again and again and so, expecting a different outcome? Yeah, I'm like, so how many proposals do you have to do and fail before you go back and say, so what are we doing wrong? And so, exactly. And people will look at that and they'll say, we have failure. We have a low P win, which I hate that word. It's a dirty yeah. word to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they'll say, we have a low P win. So we're going to get better by investing in software to automate this instead, right. because that's obviously where the pitfalls are. When really the pitfall could be a number of things. It could be the market, like you yeah. said. It could be these people just ain't buying what you're selling. Right. That's something I'm always baffled that some folks don't get. It's not everybody is in the market for what you're selling. Not everybody right. wants it. Um, so figuring that out, figuring out historical spending as, you know, an indication of future spending is a huge thing. Um, so, yeah, you're right. They'll just be like, no, this is I'm going to use this magic tool to fix it. Yeah. And th this particular client was talking about how, you know, we initially tried building relationships. We didn't have time for that. So we just switched our strategy to just responding to RFPs. And I'm like. This yeah, hurts me. This, this, yeah, exactly. Like deep in my soul, right? It's yeah. so I'm like, there's all these things in there, and it's, it's like, you know, you, you need to be following a specific set of rules to make this work. But if, if you keep operating in your own little bubble, 
and you know, it's say it's it's you and your proposal person, and the only ideas you bounce off of are you and the proposal person, then you're going to justify your insanity. Like, right? You eventually, eventually, you'll both get in the same boat and be like, "Heck yeah, we're doing this right. It must be the software." You know, instead of, "Gosh, you know, is there anything we could be doing better?" And, and even then, you're you like you said, you're so close to it, you have no idea what's going on, and so that third party perspective to have somebody like yourself or Amber come in and say. Yeah, here's what you're doing wrong. You know, you're leaning too hard on the software. Oh, you don't understand pricing. Oh, you don't understand this. You don't understand that. And it's, it, it, I think some people, so I'm, I'm a writer. I work with a lot of writers. It's so personal to a lot of people. Anytime you mm. write anything or do any sort of marketing, I think there's a fear there of them, you know, somebody else outside seeing your stuff. And I'm like, well, what's the bigger fear? Somebody outside seeing your stuff and making constructive criticism or continuing to fail and then go out of business. Because eventually, if you can't win, they will come take your stuff. Like yeah. somebody's going to show up and take your stuff. So, exactly. so like, you know, put that ego aside and bring in some experts to kind of look at everything. So as, as we transition here, you know, we talked earlier about, or I'm talking now about people. We talked earlier about people, you know, talk to me a little bit as we kind of wrap up here with your final thoughts and everything, you know, that human element that you talked about earlier. For sure. Um, and so you had actually just mentioned something, too, about this idea of pride of authorship. And you had also essentially alluded to this idea of confirmation bias. And that's when you're in your own head, in your own world, and you never talk to anybody else, then you think that you're doing something right. And so Amber and I have a really unique perspective when we made The Pulse because we did come from a consulting background where we were able to work with mom and pop shops all the way up to the big system integrators that you all know and love. And what it came down to is the problems in GovCon were ubiquitous. It, it didn't matter. And we also started noticing a trend in GovCon. This is why we developed the Pulse. And that's where these big data and analytic companies were coming in, promising a bright future in the form of contract wins, right? That's what we had mentioned. And so I'm here and the Pulse is here to remind industry that data is important, but context is crucial. Mm. And I said before, it's like when somebody asks me what my P win is as a proposal consultant. I hate that. It's a dirty word because if you actually understood proposals and contracts as a living, breathing organism, you would never ask me that question because it is such an arbitrary figure. And I think that that sort of subjectivity scares people. You know, it scares those yeah. big businessmen in their big business suits that come in. They <laughs> want to invest. They're venture capitalists, yada, 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 because it means that our industry is unpredictable, which it is, which is yeah. why I love it. But it's also why I have problems with an over-reliance on automated tools because contracts are won and lost over relationships, implicitly biased critiques. And at the end of the day, these decisions are made by people and not mm -hmm. machines. That's right. And that's what we mean by the human element, that people are what make government contracting companies successful. Yeah, that, that's awesome. I love the way you put that. A ton of great tips today and everything that you talked about. Did we miss anything? Are there any final thoughts that you want to leave our listeners with? Um, just be mindful of the information out there. Be mindful of the marketing. I just, I hate to see small businesses getting taken advantage of. And some of the people out there will feed on your insecurity. They'll feed using rhetoric saying, we're going to get you big wins. This is going to make you more successful. You're going to be a billion dollar company and you're going to be <laughs> able to sell it and you're going to be able to retire in Tahiti. And that might be true. You might get there, but just again, be mindful, be cautious, because you are a consumer of these products. So you should use it as like any other type of advertising that you see. 
Yeah, no, that, that that's really great advice. And, you know, I, I'm going to give a piece of advice here to kind of tag along that. People may or may not like it. Uh, it is what it is. But, you know, for me, I see too often where people will say, well, give me the top three pieces of software in the industry. I'm like, well, so number one, just because it's popular doesn't mean it's right for you. Hmm. Okay, so that that's number one. The, the next piece about that is because it's popular, it's probably really expensive. And if you're just getting into the market, like, do you want to start there? You know, so let's look at what are some of the best tools for the problems you have, not, well, what's the most, you know, popular bid matching tool on the market? Well, that's not necessarily the right answer. You know, you need to be asking better questions. And that that's often what I'm trying to do when I talk to people. And just, I have a lot of these free consultations with people where I'm like, look, maybe government isn't even right for you, but if it is. Don't get you know, me started. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've had that conversation in the last month where I'm like, so why are you doing government? You're doing well in commercial. Why are you, why are you making this leap? We always you know, go, you sure? You sure? This you is sure? where you want to be? Yeah, like, are you, yeah, you got to make sure you're going to do this. But, you know, it's just sometimes you just got to slow down and ask better questions and figure out what's the right move for you, not what's the popular move. And, you know, and, and that doesn't mean that some of these tools that are that are popping up, like I've really liked seeing what, what you're doing over with the Pulse and, and everything. It's it's a tool that I'd say, if you're not looking at this tool, why? Why? Like if, if you are thinking about getting into a tool, you need to put this on your radar and seriously look at it and don't just dismiss it because it's not from this billion dollar company or, or whatever. And so it's there. there's tools out there that'll do some really good stuff for you. Um, take a step back, ask the right questions, talk to some people. I love the fact that how reachable you all are, where like some of the companies they have like, there's like 400 different reps out there for some of these companies. And you know, you just, you're not going to be able to reach them at the right levels. I, I don't know. I could get on a whole soapbox about oh, that. But I know for that, I do just have to say that the um, title analyst does not necessarily mean what you think it means. It might mean sales rep. So also be yeah, mindful of that. <laughs> exactly. Not only does it be that one, but also when you see vice president and you're like, Vice president, vice president. Man, this company's got like 47 vice presidents. Oh my God, I love that. It's yeah, so yeah, like this is not, no, that's a sales position and they just put vice presidents to make it look sexy, right? That's that's really why they did it. So so thank you for coming on and talking about this. Uh, I'm looking forward to talking to Amber about more stuff and I'm sure category management will come up during that conversation. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me today. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash gamechangers.